Good morning, Athey Creek men. Um, happy to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, if you don't know, my name is Kaipo, and I am uh, one of the pastors here at uh, Athey Creek Christian Fellowship. And uh, on top of being a pastor, I also get to uh, uh, officiate weddings, counselings, uh, a slew of other things that come along with, uh, with pastoring. And so I am uh, extremely thankful to be here, to get to do that. Um, but I'm also grateful to be here with you fellas uh, this morning. Obviously, uh, Brett and the gang are still over there in uh, Israel, gallivanting through the Holy Land. So uh, be praying for them, that they uh, enjoy their time over there, that their uh, fellowship is rich as they get to walk the places that Jesus got to walk. Um, when I got to go there uh, two years ago, sort of helping out, it was awesome to, to get to be there, to see where Jesus went and see uh, um, these amazing places. But I think what I also came away with on that Israel trip was just the camaraderie, the fellowship that you get to have with those other, uh, other brothers and sisters. So just be praying for, uh, for that crew that they uh, enjoy their time there and uh, uh, really have this rich, rich fellowship. But uh, for me, I'm especially thankful because I am the sort of the men's ministry lead. I get to do a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff with the men's ministry stuff around here. It's, it's really neat to see how Psalms 133, where it talks about um, how good it is, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. I'm always amazed on a Saturday morning that we have, you know, 300-plus guys coming out, day off, you know, bright and early. Eh, not too early, I guess. Eight's not too early. But um, for me, young dad, eight, whew, you know. Um, but here you are. You know, here you are, Saturday morning. I'm just extremely thankful. That's the, the first thing that comes to my mind is, man, awesome. I think uh, having a healthy set of guys who desire to go through the Word, desire to hear teaching and spend time in worship is extremely healthy for a large body of, of uh, you know, a church body that's large. And so, um, first and foremost, kudos to you. I mean, thanks for making it out here. Continue to be those pillars of faith, uh, those guys who desire to go deeper in the things of the Lord. Um, so, kudos to you guys. Glad you guys are here. When I was thinking about, man, what is it that I'm going to share? That's, that's always the hard thing to, uh, uh, to determine. What is it that we share? I I sort of uh, sympathize with Brett because, man, he's got his outline figured out for the next umpteen years, right? And verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, you know what's coming up next, right? You know what's next. All right, well, Proverbs 1, okay, now Proverbs 2. And uh, I envy that in a little bit, you know, because you sort of know. And, and obviously, he, he'll deviate from here and there, pick and pull things as, uh, as it suits us. But I'm always jealous of that because one of the hardest things to get up here on this stage and stand in front of a bunch of guys or, you know, the congregation is, what in the world am I supposed to talk about? What, I mean, how, what am I supposed to share with these guys? What am I supposed to say? And um, as I was going through, I was looking at our Ironworks page, and if you haven't yet, look at our Ironworks page. We've, we've been doing this for about four years now, a little over four years where we've been meeting together Saturday mornings, going through teachings to excuse me, directed towards us as men. And there's a whole slew of topics. And we've talked about everything from personal devotions. We've talked about honoring, loving our wives. We've talked about um, anger, abuse, rest. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about, you know, personal purity. There is a whole slew of things. And if you haven't gone through those, man, I tell you, it's a rich, rich time to be reminded of some of these things that we get to go over, you know, over these past four, uh, four years or so. So the thought enters my mind, what in the world am I supposed to share on? What, what am I supposed to talk about? 
And obviously the best thing for, for me, I've always found, is I need to share what's going on in my own self. Um, I don't know where this phrase, I probably stole it from Brett, who, and Brett probably stole it from somebody else, but um, the phrase is, a sermon born in the head stays in the head, but a sermon born in the heart stays in the heart. If I'm trying to share something from my head intellectually just so that I can sound, you know, amazing and awesome, well, that's where it's going to stay. It's going to reside up there. But something that's born in the heart, man, it remains there. It resides there in our hearts. So what I want to share with you guys today is concerning this raging battle that is going on in our midst currently, right now, right here. A raging battle, this war that is relentless, that is among us. Now, some of you might be thinking, oh, I know where he's going with this. He's talking about the, uh, the elephants and the donkeys, the red and the blue, the Republicans and Democrats. 2020, it's coming up. Here we go. Get on the boxing gloves. We're going to war. Is that what I'm talking about? No. I mean, that's a, a very huge battle for sure. Maybe it's the divisiveness in our culture right now. You know, you can't go anywhere without feeling tense and nothing, everything's sort of uneasy. There's this, this battle, this raging war that's going on. No, in actuality, this battle, this raging war that I'm talking about, brothers, that I think is very prevalent for myself and for us, is the raging battle, this war for our minds. For our minds. Every single day, every single day, there is a battle among us that is trying to take over our thoughts, our mindset, what, uh, who we are as men. And I'm recognizing that, you know what? We're not really winning that battle. That battle is, is an extremely difficult one that we're, we're losing ground on in our day and age. Flip with me to Romans chapter 7. We're going to be flipping around a little bit, so hopefully you've got your, uh, your trigger fingers ready to go, your Bible trigger fingers. But turn over to Romans chapter, uh, we'll start in chapter 7, and we'll move over to uh, chapter 8 here. But we have this, this battle for our minds. Battle for our minds. Let's read Romans chapter 7, starting there in verse 22. Romans 7, verse 22. It says here, Romans 7, 22, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am! Who will deliver me from this body of death? Romans 8, go down just a few more verses. Romans 8, uh, verse 5. Read with me, or listen as I read. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death. Verse 7, beginning of verse 7, Because the carnal man is enmity against God. <clears throat> There's this war, there's this battle that's raging on for our minds. And if we don't know that, man, we, we're way, way behind. If we don't understand that, we're missing it right now because we can't just be lackadaisical in this. We have to be uh, sort out, ready to go to fight this battle. So before I sort of get into these points that, you know, the Lord's sort of shared and put on my heart, I want to do one more thing. I want to pray that the Lord would just open our minds to really receive what it is he wants to share with us this morning. God, I ask that as we, as we dive into this, as we take a look at, uh, man, the carnal, sinful, debased mind, Lord, I pray that you would help us as men to recognize the tendencies that we have to go contrary to you. 
And I pray that as we, as we filter through that, we would be reminded of the truths uh, as we can renew our mind and have the mind of Christ. Lord, today I pray that I would decrease. Lord, that you would increase. Whatever it is that you want to share with these brothers this morning, I pray that it would stick and it would resonate. Anything that's of me, Father, burn that away. I pray that you would just take that away. But anything that's of you and your truth, would it resonate, I ask. Father, would you uh, put aside all the distractions? Put aside all the things that uh, we might be thinking about, the checklists that we might have or the, the to-do list that we have after this or our hungry stomachs or whatever else it might be. Father, we, we pray that you'd put all those things away that would be able to tune in to what it is you would want to share with us this morning. Father, we lift you up, we pray your blessing, and ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen, amen, amen. Flip to the left with me a little bit. Romans uh, chapter 1. Just a handful of pages. <clears throat> the battle for our minds is what we're talking about today. The, 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 this raging war for our minds. The first sort of uh, mind contrary to the Lord that I want to talk about is the debased mind. The debased mind. Romans 1, 28 says here, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. I'm going to read the rest of this here. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. The first mindset, the potential that we have is this debased mind. As you read through that list, that word debased there gives the idea of worthless, of unqualified. And as I was looking it up in Logos, it said bogus. It's like, wow, bogus mind. Okay, I wouldn't put that with debased. But it's this contrary sort of mind that is just opposite of what the Lord would desire for us. Romans 1.28, that idea there when it says God gave them over to a debased mind. God gave them over to this debased mind. The connotation there is that all this junk, all the things that we read there at the end of that verse of chapter 1, it's as if God is holding those things at bay. He's holding that stuff back from us to keep our mind from those things. But when we go contrary to what God is desiring for us, God sort of lifts his hand, takes his hands away, and our minds are now filtered, are bombarded with this sinfulness, with this junk that we read here, that whole list of unrighteousness. I've been going through um, Judges on my own, um, and it's, it's a fun book. It's great. I love it. You know, lots of awesome stories. You've got Samson and Delilah, obviously. You've got Gideon, Jephthah. It's great to see how the Lord sort of worked through that. But if, if you don't know, the book of Judges is a very, very uh, keen book that talks about what happens when, there is, when we don't put God in that rightful spot on the throne. When we remove him from the throne of our lives— we go our own way. Judges, uh, you, don't have, you guys can just listen. You don't have to turn there. Judges 21, the, the last verse there, it says, the, the last book, uh, the last chapter in Judges, says, In those days there was no king in Israel, 
everyone did what was right in his own eyes. He did what was right in his own mind, in his own thoughts. He did whatever he wanted to. The debased mind, when I think about the debased mind, I think about a mind that has no longer submitted to the Lord and is doing whatever they want. Judges, Judges 19, I was reading through this and I was just struck with, this is a horrible chapter in the Bible. This is a utterly horrific chapter. And somehow, I know we're all, you know, we're all men here, somehow we're drawn to that, right? The horrificness, the, 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 the badness, it's like, man, what is so wrong with this? Judges 19, I want us to get an idea of what happens to a mind that no longer allows the Lord to be on the throne. A mind that is no longer submitted to the Lord. Judges 19, um, you can flip over there if you want, but I'm basically going to kind of dive through this story. And uh, again, horrific story for this morning. But Judges 19, here we start off with this Levite. This Levite who lives up in the mountains of Ephraim. And he takes for himself a concubine. First strike. First strike is he didn't take a wife. He took basically a concubine, a prostitute. He was in the mindset that, I don't want to get married. I don't want to have those responsibilities. I just want all the perks without any of the responsibility. I'm just going to take a concubine. So this Levite of the priestly tribe takes this concubine. The concubine leaves him and goes back to her father's house right away. Obviously, we'll see why, because he did not treat her well by any means. Four months later, this priest, this Levite, um, goes back to try and woo this concubine from her father's house. And the father is having these meals and trying to entice the, the man to stay there and to, you know, um, stay there longer. But this, uh, this Levite, who, who's got donkeys, servants, comes over and uh, is trying to woo this concubine back. Sure enough, after several days, the, uh, uh, the father of the, the concubine says, all right, you can go. And uh, the Levite, the concubine, the donkeys, the servants, they all head their way back to this Levite's place, his house, his dwelling, the mountains of Ephraim. And as they're going, nightfall happens, nightfall hits, and they need somewhere to lodge. So one of the servants of the Levite says, hey, there's this, there's a city, um, Jebus, over here. Let's, let's lodge here. But the Levite's like, no, 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 uh, that's not a city of Israel. Let's go, let's go somewhere where there's a city of Israel. Let's go a little further. And so they go to Gibeah. Huge mistake. Huge mistake. So they get to Gibeah, and when they're in Gibeah, they're in the, that central courtyard sort of waiting for someone to lodge, lodge them because in that day, it was sort of commanded if you were of the, the children of God to be hospitable. When someone was looking for lodging, you would uh, you know, acquiesce and take them into your house, but nobody was doing that. Lo and behold, this older man comes and sees them and says, hey, why aren't you lodging anywhere? Here, come lodge at my place, and I'll, I'll take you in for the night. Story's not too bad at this point. You know, we've got a concubine, uh, Levite, <clears throat> who should be marrying, who isn't, uh, but no one's, no one's being hospitable. So we're still sort of in this, okay, what's going on here? I, you know, I liken it to the middle of the movie where you're not sure who's good, you're not sure who's bad, you're kind of in this limbo of what's going, what's going to happen next? They're in Gibeah, they're lodging at this old man's house, and then on the door, it's not just a knock, it's a pounding, raging, um, uh, knock on this door that the men of Gibeah desiring to lay with this Levite man. And again, we're not talking just a nap. We're not talking just, you know, sawing some logs. We're talking about carnally minded. They wanted to intimately dwell with this Levite guy. And the old man's like, man, don't, don't do this. What are, you, what are you doing? Don't do this. Again, 
This is all in the context of a debased mind, a mind that is contrary to the Lord. This old man stops these guys and says, no, 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 don't do this, don't do this defiled thing. Here, here. I can't even say this part of the story without my arms, you know, my arm hair is getting up tight and, you know, my, the, the fur on the back of my neck. But he says, here, take my virgin daughter, take my virgin daughter and defile her. Here, take the concubine and, and defile them, but don't defile this guy. That is a debased mind. That is utterly horrible. That's horrific. I wish it ended there. It doesn't. So lo and behold, the, the Levite, the old man, gives these, these Gibeites uh, this concubine, and they ravish her all night. They abuse her. Lo and behold, she comes back and crawls back to the steps and, uh, the next morning, and the Levite walks over and basically just says, get up, let's go. You know, there's no compassion. There's no, oh, man, I wonder what, what happened. No wonder she left. No wonder she didn't want to dwell with this guy. The concubine ends up being dead. And he, uh, you know, he puts her on his donkey, goes back to her dwelling place. And once he gets home, <laughs> I wish the story ended there, but you guys know. You guys know what happens next. He takes his concubine and divides her up into 12 and, and ships these pieces off into the children of Israel. I, I, as I was reading through this, you know, not too long ago, I was like, what in the world? Why is this in scripture? I mean, this is, this is straight out of some horror movie, you know? This is the debased mind. This is the mind that did we not have the Lord, if we are contrary to what the Lord wants us to do, that's where our mind goes. Our mind goes to that depth of sin, of horrific, sinful nature. And um, when, when we allow our minds to go that direction, as I was thinking about that, the first thing in my mind is, you know, I, I start to I want to meet this old man. I want to meet this Levite and have some words with him. You know, I want to have, have a little rumble-tumble with him. But then I realize, you know what? That potentially could be me. That potentially could be the mindset that I could have if I allow myself to go that direction. Now, none of us in this room, we would never act upon those things. We would never do those things that the Levite did, that the old man did. But would we think it? Would, would it enter our mind? Would it come into our mind, this debased mindset that potentially could befall us? All of this happens because, verse 21, like I read, uh, chapter 21 of Judges, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes, in his own mind. He did what he thought was best. The first thing, brothers, is we have the potential to have a debased mind, a horrific very contrary to what the Lord would want us to have. The second I want to talk about is in Titus 1.15. You can flip over to the New Testament. Titus 1.15 <clears throat> tells us here the, the second mind that I want to talk about. Titus 1 uh, verse 15 says here, to the pure, again Titus 1.15, to the pure all things are pure, but to those who are defiled uh, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. Firstly, we had the debased mind, this horrific mind that essentially God is keeping at bay when we keep him on the throne where he should be. When, but when he's not, that debased mind begins to enter. Secondly, we have this defiled mind. Now, the word defiled there in the Greek gives the idea of stained, of shameful, of unclean. How is it, brothers, that we defile 
our minds? How is it that we defile our minds? Matthew uh, 6.22 reminds us that the lamp of the body is the eye. The lamp of the body is the eye. Our eyes are the window to our souls. How in the world do we defile our minds? Well, I, I think we all know. I think we all know this. It's through what enters our minds. It's through what we see. You can't have the, the, uh, the conversation about our minds, our defiled minds, without going towards something that defiles a lot of guys today. A lot of us in this room can become defiled by these certain things. And today, now it's, now it's our phones, it's our devices. It's so prevalent how we can be easily defiled. Easily defiled. And I think my hope today, right now, is I know there's a lot of us struggling right now. I know there's a lot of us who are in this mode of, man, I'm defiling my mind. I'm defiling my eyes. I'm caught up in this lust. I'm caught up in pornography. I'm caught up in this, this sin, this constant defilement. What are we doing about it? Brothers, what is it that the Lord is calling us to do to keep ourselves from being defiled in that way? We all know it. You know, we all understand that this is a tendency for us. But what is it that we're doing to make sure that we're safeguarding ourselves? And obviously, you know, the statistics show that, I mean, at least half of us are struggling in this area. What are we doing about that? The first thing I really want to encourage us is, brothers, Make sure you have guys around you who are asking you tough questions, who are asking you questions about, hey, where's your thought life at? Hey, what have you seen recently? What is it that you wouldn't want to tell me that uh, you probably should tell me right now? We need guys around us who are going to ask these hard questions because our minds are so easily defiled, so easily defiled. So my encouragement for us right now is this isn't going away. Brothers, we can't sort of lackadaisically kind of massage our way through this battle. This is a raging war that we are losing badly. And my hope is, is to flip the script, is to armor ourselves, and let's do battle against these things. Let's do battle against pornography, against not having accountability, against a lot of these areas that we are being defiled in. I, um, speaking of defilement and um, uh, you know, that sort of mindset. I, I don't really read the news a lot of times. I'm not as big of a news junkie as Brett is, so a lot of times I'm hearing news the first time when he's up here on stage. I'm like, oh, wow, that happened? Oh, this happened? Oh, interesting. Um, but I was, I was going through, you know, the Drudge Report and reading a few things here and there, but <clears throat> um, one of these things struck me that I'm like, oh, actually, I know that name. Uh, the headline was that there was this top Christian com comedian who uh, uh, is pretty funny. He's actually doing really, really well, doing really, really well for himself. Is got caught up in this scandalous defilement. He, uh, he was basically selling tickets, but then, you know, wooing these girls into hotel rooms and trying to woo them and uh, giving sexual favors, this whole thing with this Christian comedian guy. And I'm like, oh, man. Uh, sure, that's, that's the world. Maybe the world might do that, but Man, uh, someone who claims to be a Christian, someone who claims to, to, you know, have this upstanding life. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that I'm any better than him, honestly. I mean, man, that could easily be me. But there's this pr propensity for us to be very, very prone to defilement, to very easily fall into that. And I guess my hope, my prayer this morning is, brothers, do battle, please. Do battle against this. Don't be lackadaisical. 
Don't sit back and think, ah, this is going to get better. Ah, I'll figure that out tomorrow. I'll worry about that another time. No, now. Now is the time to work on that defilement, to work on that area of our lives. The third thing, uh, Colossians 2.18, the third mind I want to talk about is uh, there in Colossians 2. If you're quick, you can flip over there. Colossians 2.18, it tells us, listen as I read, Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Fleshly mind. Romans 8, we'll go back to Romans 8. Romans 8 tells us there again, for those who live, verse 5, according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The the last mind I want to remind us of is this carnal mind. The, The idea there with that phrase carnal is fleshly, is selfish, is materialistic. It's only concerned about me. The carnal mind is not about the spirit. It's about who I am and my my fleshly mindset. It's essentially this. You can boil it down to this. Everything that we do minus God equals a carnal mind. Everything that we do contrary to God minus God is the carnal mind, is the fleshly mind, is the selfish mind. There in uh, Matthew 16, uh, Peter after Jesus essentially uh, expressed what he was called to do, how he was going to give his life for the brethren, he was going to be slain, Peter pulls uh, Jesus aside, and and Scripture tells us there that Peter rebuked Jesus and said, Jesus, not so. This will not happen to you. And what does Jesus say? Obviously, the, the classic phrase, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. And, uh, he, uh, Jesus tells Peter, Peter, you are not mindful of the things of God. You are mindful of the things of man. You are not mindful of the things of God, but only of yourself. Brothers, the carnal mind that we could potentially have is only concerned with me. It's it's concerned about my own self, my flesh, who I am, my worries, my wants, my desires. The carnal mind, the carnal mind's dangerous because it's not always bad either. It's not always bad things. The, you know, it, it's hard because when you're pre- preparing for something like this, when you're, you're preparing, all right, what am I going to share? What am I going to talk about? All this stuff. You're thinking so much about, you're, you're thinking so much outwardly. All right, what do they want to hear? What is, what is it that they're going to take? How are they going to apply this to their lives? The Lord kind of struck this within myself as I was going through this, sort of, you know, knocking on my own mind saying, hey, Kaipo, how, how are you doing some of this? How are you doing in some of these mind things? You're going to tell all these guys, but how are you doing on this? And I couldn't help it because even as I'm preparing for this, I'm carnally minded. Here I am sitting up on the stage, and what do I want? What's in my mind? I want you guys to think I'm amazing. That's my heart. That's my hope. I'm going to do everything I can to make all you guys out here think I am so much better than I am. That's my mindset. I'm carnally minded. My flesh wants this accolades, wants you to, uh, you know, for me to be lifted up, to be built up. My mind is carnally minded, even in something good like this, getting ready to prepare a teaching or something. Carnally minded, brothers, it's, it's essentially 
us doing everything that we do minus God, without God involved, carnally minded. And my hope is, is that not to, not to necessarily beat us up, you know, to, to stomp us down and say, man, we're just worthless. We're filthy. We're nothing. We're bad. The mind, the, my heart is, is this is the potential that we have, guys. This is the potential for us to think this way, to act this way, contrary to the Lord, contrary uh, without the Lord on our side. But here's where the script gets flipped. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We begin to recognize and understand there's a new way. There's a new mindset. All of you guys know this. You don't have to flip there. I'm going to read this. <clears throat> All of you guys know the scripture. Romans, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Listen as I read this. This is where we begin to change or regenerate or become, have that new mind. Romans 12, listen as I read. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So here's, here's where this is amazing and awesome. We have the ability to renew, to regenerate, to transform our minds. But into what? What is it that we are called to change our minds into? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.16, it says here, re- listen as I read. I know I'm flipping around a lot. 1 Corinthians 2.16, it tells us, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Listen, but we have the mind of Christ. Did you catch that? Let me read it again. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Brothers, we have that mind. We we have the mind of Christ. And so as I was studying this, I was looking, thinking through what is it that we actually, what is in the mind of Christ? Now there's a slew of things that I probably didn't catch, but there's there's two things that there's several things here that I really want to to hammer home that are uh, indwelling of the mind of Christ. The first thing there is in the mind of Christ is sacrificial love. And that's going to sound familiar to us as husbands. Sacrificial love. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Listen as I read. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. The first type of mind that we find, this characteristic of the mind of Christ, is sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. Now obviously that should sound very familiar to a lot of us. Uh, To us husbands, that is something that we vowed to do. You know, as we slid on that ring on our finger and there we're standing with our beautiful bride, there were two ways, two things that we covenanted, that we were commanded to love our wife and to love her unconditionally and sacrificially. One of the first things that I see in the mind of Christ is a sacrificial love. And I want to I wanna sort of encourage us as, as husbands, take a step and look at us husbands 
How are we doing at that? How are we doing at that idea of sacrificially loving our wives? We, we vowed to do that. This is something we're commanded to do. But how are we doing at that? I, I want to tempt us to ask this question. Now, I'm going to have you guys ask it first, and then I'll ask my own wife. Uh, no, that's not how it'll work. But I, 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 wanna, I want us to be good at this, because to have the mind of Christ is to think sacrificially, having this sacrificial love. So for us as husbands, I want us, and, and I don't know. I, I, you know, you guys don't have to check in with me. I don't know if this is actually going to happen. You guys can do this or not do this. Uh, you know, no skin off my back. But ask your wife this question. And it can't be in passing. She can't be half asleep. You know, it can't be just, you know, with her not focusing. You have to, you know, make sure that she's focusing, making sure that you have this time to talk. Um, Ask your wife this question. Honey, how can I show you sacrificial love? How can I show you sacrificial love? If some of us husbands right now are just cringing in our seats, that's already a bad sign. That's already a bad sign. If we can't even ask that question, we're already at a point where, oh boy, well, we need to back up a few steps. But to ask this question, how can I show you sacrificial love? But not to just ask that question and then be like, all right, whew, good, I did that. All right, I asked it. Okay, I'm done. No, have your notebook, have your pen, have your phone, whatever else, and ready to receive what it is that she might say. For us as husbands to love sacrificially is not something we relax our way into. It's not something that just comes natural. It's not something that as the years go by, I'm naturally just going to get better and better at that. This is something, guys, that we have to take a stand for, that we need to do constantly. It's something that we have to put our minds to, this idea of sacrificial love. And, you know, I think some of us guys right now, we already know what our wives are going to say, right? You know, you're going to ask that question, and you're going to know, oh, well, she's going to say this, she's going to say that, and she's going to say that already. Well, here's the next tier of that. Before you even ask that question, go do those things, Go do that stuff. Go do those things so that before you're even told to, um, you've done those things. The way that I'm kind of wired with my wife and I is, and I know all of us guys are the same way, we don't like to be told to do stuff, do we? No, we, we don't like to be told to do, if someone's going to tell us to do something, it's going to kind of cause us, eh, I was going to do that, but now that you asked me to do that, I'm not going to do that anymore. <clears throat> I, I'm just going to do my own thing. But here's the trick. If... If it's our idea, if it's something that we want to do, oh, watch out. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do that thing. Yeah, that's a good idea I had. I should do that thing. I should do that, yeah. We're wired that way, are we not? So one thing that I, try, I strive hard to do is um, anticipate. One of it's selfish because, because I don't like being told what to do. I want to make sure I do it before I'm told to. Uh, and it, it kind of works well for us, but I think it's a game that I play with in my own mind, you know, as a married man, trying to see, okay, what did she ask me to do? Oh, I'm going to do that. Oh, I did the wrong thing. Now she asked me to do that. All right, now I have to do it with the right attitude. Okay, you know, this ongoing game that I have within myself. <coughs> but for us as husbands, the first thing under this mind of Christ is sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. Husbands, be good at that. 1 Peter 3.7 tells us, 1 Peter 3.7 commands us, husbands, dwell with your wives according to understanding. Brothers, we need to be doing that often, constantly. And, and like I said, you don't relax your way into that. 
You don't sit back and just, through osmosis, as you're sleeping next to your wife, transfer all this information from her head to your head and you just get it and understand it. It doesn't work that way. Man, I wish it did. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. It doesn't, though. We have to, we have to do work. We have to understand. We have to learn. We have to ask questions. We have to inquire of our wives. Husbands, if, if you're not good at that, my, my encouragement for you today is change. Be better at that. Understand your wife. Here's the deal, guys. You're going to understand your wife in two different ways. You, one way or the other, you're going to understand her. The first way is the way that I'm asking you to. Ask questions, inquire, figure out what's going on with her, in her, and you have this sort of conversation. Here's the other way you figure out and you learn about your wife. You royally screw up. You just mess up big. You just, you missed it. You, you weren't kind. You were not compassionate. You did the wrong thing, and you just learn that was horrible. I do not want to do that again. My hope, my encouragement for us as men is, man, learn this way. Be one who inquires, who asks, who is involved with your wife, showing her this sacrificial love, understanding who she is um, as this woman that God has uh, ordained to be with you for the rest of her life. The first thing in the mindset of Christ is this sacrificial love, and we took a look at husbands, but let's Let's, let's take a step away from the husbands and let's look at how we sacrificially love, how we deal with our friends, the, our bros, our dudes, you know, our posse, the guys that we're around. How do, we, how do we have the mind of Christ with our brothers, having this sacrificial love? What does that look like? Well, John 15 tells us, No greater love hath any man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus exemplified that. Obviously, before he even knew us, he crawled up on that cross, gave his life for us. So in this idea of having the mind of Christ, this sacrificial love concerning our brothers, those around us, what does that look like? What does that look like for us as men? Being the men's ministry lead here uh, for a handful of years now, one of my agendas, one of the things that I'm always striving to figure out how to do, and I'm not saying uh, we do it well or great or we have a lot of success in this, but one thing that I'm always striving to do for us as men, Athey Creek men, how do we build, how do we build within guys a desire to have deep-rooted friendships? Friendships and connections with one another that goes way more than the surface, way more than just the football talk, the car talk, this, the work talk. How do we build within guys a desire to truly connect, to, to have this fellowship, this bond, this brotherly connection? How in the world do we do that? And we've, we've done some good things. You know, we've, we've uh, set up accountability groups. We've, we've done a few other things that have worked um, for the most part. But one of the big things, one of my big desires is how do we get you guys connected to one another? And we've done, we've done things throughout the summer. If you were, um, uh, you know, if you joined us at our men's meeting out, uh, out on the lawn, um, that, was, that was a big thing for me was, sure, you know, bagos and sure, food, obviously, love food, but it was, it was how do we get guys to connected? How do we get guys to have these conversations? Because honestly, for most of us in this room, that's not natural. That takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to get to that point, to open up, to have this conversation, to be honest and truthful with another brother. We don't do that, guys. We do not do that well. You get 100 women in a room, before you know it, they're best friends for the next 40 years. You know, it just happens like that. With us as guys, it's, it's different. So it's been one of those desires of mine 
Lord, how do we get guys to connect with one another in a real way? Not, not, not this fake way, but in a real way where we get to do life with one another. Um, if, if that's a desire of your guys' right now, if that's something you're, you really desire, but you don't have it, I'm going I'm to give you a few things that have worked for me. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at this. I'm not saying these are exactly, you know, foundational. These are just things that have worked for me that I want to give to you. If you're in that area of, man, how do I, how do I get closer brothers who are around me, who are like-minded, who I actually want to be around? How do I do that? Four things I'm going to share with you on how to just, how to do that. The first thing, if you're lacking that, first thing, pray. Pray, pray, pray. You need to pray that the Lord would bring alongside some brothers to be around you, to keep you accountable, to sharpen you. You need to pray that the Lord would do that and be fervent in that. Don't just in passing like, ah, oh, yeah, Lord, that'd be good. Uh, I'll just, you know, whatever. Okay, great, thanks. No, be fervent in that and pray in those things. The second thing, guys, is if we're looking for those close relationships, that brotherly sort of fellowship, come to church. Now, obviously, I'm preaching to the choir. You know, this one, this is, this is you guys. You're here on a Saturday. You're on a Saturday of all times. Uh, but that second thing is be consistent in coming. Make church a priority. Make, make coming here a big priority to where you're coming on Wednesdays. You're coming on the weekend. You're involved with other brothers. It's really hard to get to know somebody if you're not around them, if you're not close to them, if you're not next to them. First, pray that the Lord would bring some of those brothers around you. Secondly, come to church. Just make it a point to come here. And again, you guys are here on a Saturday, so that's all a check for you guys. Good work. You all get that one. Um, thirdly, and this is sort of in line with what Brett talked about last, uh, last Ironworks, get plugged in. Other, more than any other thing on this list, the way that I have those close brothers to myself and who I get to be accountable with, it was, it was when we were plugged in with one another. It was when we were serving. There we are doing kids camps or doing the Porta Church thing. We were, we were just involved helping out. And we did life. We got to serve alongside one another. Some of my closest friends are from that season of being plugged in. So not only pray that the Lord would bring that, not only consistently come to church, but find a way to get plugged in. Now, this can't just be something that's like, all right, well, I like to do this one thing at this certain time, so as long as it fits that one thing, then I'll, I'll help, I'll serve. Now, there needs to be sort of a flexibility, obviously, you know, a, a willingness to make that a priority. Um, so get plugged in, get involved, be around brothers. When I think about ironworks, when I think about iron sharpening iron, those two sets of iron they have to be next to each other, right? They have to be in proximity. You can't sharpen two things way of, of, you know, it just doesn't work. You have to be close. You have to be in proximity to one another. The last thing I'll say, first, you know, pray that the Lord would bring those brothers. Secondly, <clears throat> secondly is um, um, be consistent. Come to church often. Make church a priority so that you're around brothers. Thirdly, get plugged in. Get plugged in. It's really going to propel that process forward. Lastly, be that friend, be that person to somebody else. Too often, us as guys, we sit back and we just, we just sort of wait for this to happen to us. 
We wait for someone to come and approach us. We wait for someone to talk to us, to, to keep us accountable, to, to come and meet our needs. Here we are sitting down. We, we, we expect this to happen to us. I'm telling you, be that person to somebody else. If you need accountability, find someone that you can ask those questions and say, hey, how are you doing in this area? How are you doing in that area? Are you, is your mind right? If you need someone just to uh, sharpen and encourage, be that to somebody else. Be that for someone else before you desire it for yourself. This is, this is something that's really been uh, impressing on my heart for us as men here at Athey Creek is to build within that because so much good happens when us as brothers are linked to one another. If you're floating around on your own right now, man, you're going to get picked off, guaranteed, guaranteed. But when we're close, when we have those brothers, when we have that accountability, man, it's amazing to see what the Lord can do through us and for us in that area. So just some freebies for you, you know, if, if you're lacking in that area, pray that the Lord would bring that. Secondly, be consistent in coming to church. Just make it here to church. Thirdly, get plugged in. Lastly, be that friend, be that, um, that brother to somebody else. So in this idea of having the mind of Christ, this sacrificial love like we, we uh, saw from Philippians 2, First, it was to us husbands. We understand that. We get that. But also to our friends, also to those relationships around us, we need to practice sacrificial love. The second thing that I find in the, uh, the mind of Christ is also there in Philippians. Uh, Philippians 2, verse 3. Listen as I read. It says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let uh, uh, esteem others better than himself. I'm going to be honest. We don't do this. We do not do this. Outwardly, we do. We all esteem others better than ourselves. Oh, yeah, they're better than me. Oh, yeah, that person's better. But inwardly, we don't really. We're always measuring ourselves with other persons, other people. You know, I, I think of the, uh, I'm not much of a lifter or weight room guy, but when you go in there, everything is always measured with everyone else. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm bigger than that guy. Oh, snap. I ain't bigger. I'm staying away from that guy. I'm not. You're always measuring who you are with this other person. But Jesus, he's one who esteemed others better than himself, who preferred others over himself. Here's, here's the test to see if we're actually doing this well, not just inwardly, not just outwardly, but inwardly. What are our actions? What, what's the fruit of our life? What is it that we do that actually esteems them better? Do we humble ourselves and serve that person? Or do we expect that, that person to serve us? Do we, do we make ourselves low? Or do we try and make sure that we're just a little bit higher, a little bit better than that other person? Jesus exemplified this idea of esteeming others better than himself. Um, when I think about esteeming others, I, I can't help but think about the sports wor- world, the sports realm. I, now, I love sports. I'm I grew up playing sports. I uh, enjoy it. Anything with a ball, anything with a frisbee, I, I just really love it. And here's the thing is, for whatever reason, the Lord's gifted me in that area. I, I do well. Um, I'm not entirely sure why, but I'm grateful for it. It's awesome. It's great. Um, so when I think about esteeming others in this idea of sports, I'm always kind of jockeying back and forth. I'm like, all right, where is this person at? Oh, they're, they're pretty good. Okay, they're pretty good. This person, oh, no, they're not that good. Okay, well, we'll just have fun. You know, let's have fun, that thing. Um, so there's, there's this jockeying of esteeming others better than myself. And I couldn't help but re- be reminded of the story because obviously I do okay with some sports stuff. 
I play a lot of different things. I enjoy anything. Um, but there's one thing that I don't do too much, and that's it's tennis. You know, I don't play tennis too much. I've played it maybe five or six times, but I, I love, I love uh, badminton. I love racquetball. I love pickleball. If you're a pickleball player, let me know. I'll come beat you for you. Um, <coughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. Better be humble there. Um, but I, I love all these sports things. But I couldn't help recall the story of when uh, uh, it was a humbling moment. It was, I think it was last year. I got this email from this dad. It was real short. It just said, my son would like to play you in tennis. The end. And I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. Is this a spam? What is this? And I replied back. I'm like, oh, okay, uh, sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I I don't play much tennis. I'm I'm more of a, you know, pickleball, racquetball, ping pong, that type of sport player. But um, I respond. I'm like, okay, sure, let's do this. And so uh, a couple weeks go by. And, you know, at this point, I'm like, I wonder, is this kid good? Is this just like a fellowship thing? What, what is this about? I don't even know what this is about. Um, lo and behold, the day comes, and uh, I, you know, was over at the Charbonneau area. I think they've got a few indoor courts there. I come over. I've got this, this tennis racket that wasn't even mine. Some college buddy forgot to take it, and I ended up having it. I don't even have a tennis racket. You know, I don't even have the right shoes. But we walk into this Charbonneau uh, tennis area, and uh, the older folks there are finishing up, so tie my shoes, I'm stretching. Dad's there with his younger son and then uh, his older son, who's probably junior high age, you know, 12, maybe 13, something like that. Dad cracks open the balls, you know, he, he hands a few to us, and so we're kind of hitting back and forth, and right away, as soon as I'm seeing him hit, I'm like, oh, snap, this is not going to be good. His form and everything else, I'm like, oh, this is, uh, okay, what did I sign myself up for here? And here I am, you know, this 30-something guy who esteems himself pretty highly. I mean, I, I'm pretty athletically minded, mind you. But this guy, this kid, he's sitting it back and forth, and I'm realizing this is going to be horrible. This is not going to be good. So I, I take a couple, you know, serve practices, and sure enough, we, uh, we get started and we start playing. <clears throat> and uh, he, uh, he's serving the ball, and automatic ace from this 12-year-old. I'm, I'm like a grown man, and I'm like running around. I'm like, I can't get this ball hit back, you know, from the other side. And so immediately I'm, I'm going into uh, humble mode of, oh man, what did I step into here? So the first game, 6-0, he just wipes my face with the, with the court. You know, I got a few back maybe, but that's it. And then we switched sides, and, you know, he was sure to maybe make sure that we had the, the little score tally, you know, that he had six and then I had zero. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, I see where this is going. So I, I come to the other side, and, you know, I, I got one game on him. So this time it was 6-1, but he just, he just wiped my face clean with, with the tennis court. Dad came down. And dad and I played a little bit, and that was a better match. I was like, okay, here, this is, this is a little better. You know, we're both equally matched. Um, but I, as I think about that, the story goes on to where I was like, man, what, what was that all about? Like, how did he, how did he know about me? What, what happened with all this? Well, apparently, uh, this junior high kid who uh, comes to our junior higher, I think he's probably a high schooler now, um, comes to our junior high, but he was kind of flaunting himself at junior high, saying, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. I do okay. I do all right. But one of the helpers over there, a friend of mine, he, he leaned over to this kid because he was trying to humble him a little bit. He's like, yeah, well, you couldn't beat Kaipo. You couldn't beat Kaipo at tennis. He could, he could beat you because I do well at some other things. You know, I do okay with disc golf, all these other things, but he's just, he's just lifting me up. Oh, you can't do, you can't beat him. You can't beat him. And so, sure enough, you know, this kid asks his dad, hey, I want to play that guy. And I, you know, obviously I get creamed. But uh, later on in that story, I guess he, he bet him like a hundred bucks or something. I'm like, what? Really? 
That might not be true, but I'm like, oh, man, uh, I need to go practice my tennis. Next time, you know, tell them pickleball or racquetball, not tennis. But I, I think about esteeming others, uh, lifting them up above ourselves. It's one of those qualities that Jesus did so well, and he embodied perfectly, not just outwardly with his actions, but inwardly. He truly had this inward heart of, I'm going to lift others better than myself. Brothers, that's, that's a key to us, for us as husbands, as friends, as men, to lift others better than ourselves, to lift them up, to prefer them over ourselves. That is not easy because outwardly we might do that, but inwardly we want to be better than them. Inwardly, I want to make sure that I have a better marriage than that guy. I want to make sure that my career is better than him. I want to make sure that I'm a better teacher than him. I, we, we want to lift ourselves up. We want to climb that ladder because that's what culture tells us. Be better. Do better. Be better than the next person. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world, you know. You just do that. You do. Jesus flips it around and says, esteem others better than yourself. Put others over yourself. Put them at a place. You remain low and humble. Put them over yourself. Brothers, if we can catch that, if we can understand that, man, I think the Lord can immensely use us in amazing ways. The last thing I want to uh, touch on with the mind of Christ is uh, found in Hebrews 12.3. Just listen as I read. We know this. It says in Hebrews 12.3, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Colossians 3.10, I'll end with this as well. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. The last thing here is, brothers, we need to consider Jesus. We need to consider him who transforms us, who renews us, who gives us the right mindset, who was the example for us showing sacrificial love, esteeming others properly. When we, when we allow ourselves to be saturated and embodied with what Jesus has done for us, man, we're going to find ourselves having this right mind. I end with this. Understand that our minds are depraved. When we do not have the Lord with us, when we do not have the Lord holding back all the filth and unrighteousness that could flood through us, when we don't have that, Man, watch out. We have a debased mind, a defiled mind, a carnal mind. Praise the Lord as we, Romans 12 reminds us, as we can renew our minds, have that regenerated mind, we can have, begin to have this mind of Christ, sacrificial love for one another, esteeming others better than self as we look to Jesus, our example. Would you guys pray with me? Father, I am thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the truths in your scripture. I'm thankful that you remind us constantly that you're right there with us. Lord, that you want us to do well. Father, we don't need to sin. We don't need to fall into this depraved mind, being defiled or having this fleshly mind. But Father, we can have your mind. And in fact, we do have your mind. I pray that today we, you would renew my brother's minds. Lord, that as we leave this place, as we go on and uh, we go throughout the rest of our day, the rest of our week, the rest of the season, Father, help us to do battle. Help us to guard, to captivate those thoughts that might come into our mind. To, as 1 Peter tells us, to gird up the loins of our mind and to be sober. Father, I ask that as brothers here, as men, we would take this charge. Father, that we would, we would be ones who really exemplify your word. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful 
for, for the guys here who come on a Saturday morning, uh, who come and, and want to hear your word and, and are ready to, uh, to, to do these things. So I pray that as we leave, Lord, would you immensely bless my brothers here. Lord, would the marriages be blessed today because they came and heard your word. Would families be blessed this weekend, this season, because these guys are spending time with you. I pray that as brothers, we would find those relationships, Lord, that we would pray and, and come to church and get plugged in and be that friend that we desire for others, that, that there would be a group of guys who um, are involved and invested in one another, keeping each other accountable. Lord, we're so thankful that you're with us. We're so thankful that your word is true. I pray, Father, again, that if there's anything of me that was said, burn it away. Burn it away, Father. I pray that it would not even resonate, but anything that's of your truth, of your scripture, would it, would it find root, would it take seed and just blossom, I pray, Father. So, Lord, would you, uh, would you bless these guys? I pray that you'd uh, bless their families. Help us to continue to be the men that you desire us to be, to be leaders, to be humble, um, to, to further your kingdom, to be bold for you, but uh, also, Father, just doing all these things hardly as unto you, not for our own gain. So, Father, we love you, we thank you, we pray your blessing, and uh, just uh, are so thankful for all that you've done. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. And every man said, amen. amen. Hey, would you guys stand with me real quick?